Chapter Forty One of Miss Marchbanks. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Miss Marchbanks by Mrs. Oliphant. Chapter Forty One. The result of Miss Marchbanks' wise precaution and reticence was that Sir John Richmond and the doctor and Colonel Chiley were all on Mr. Ashburton's committee. They might not agree with his principles, but then when a man does not state any very distinct principles, it is difficult for any one, however well disposed, to disagree with him, and the fact that he was the man for Carlingford was so indisputable that nobody attempted to go into the minor matters mr ashburton is a gentleman known to us all sir john said with great effect in his nomination speech and it was a sentence which went to the hearts of his audience the other candidate had been a long time from home and it was longer still since anybody in carlingford could be said to have benefited by his residence there he had had all his things down from town as mr holden the upholsterer pithily remarked and that made a great difference to start with as for mr ashburton though it is true nobody knew what he thought about reform or the income tax everybody knew that he lived at the firs and was supplied in a creditable way by george street tradesmen there was no mystery whatever about him people knew how much he had a year and how much he paid for everything and the way in which his accounts were kept and all about him even when he had his wine direct from the growers for naturally his own county could not supply the actual liquor it was put in carlingford bottles and people knew the kinds he had and how much and a hundred agreeable details and then he was a gentleman as was always ready to give his advice as some of the people said all this furnished an immense body of evidence in his favour and made sir john's remark eloquent and then carlingford as a general rule did not care the least in the world about reform there were a few people who had once done so and it was remarked in grove street that mr tozer had once been in a dreadful state of mind about it but he was quite tranquil on the subject now and so was the community in general and what was really wanted as lucilla's genius had seen at a glance was not this or that opinion but a good man but at the same time it would be vain to deny that miss marchbanks looked forward to a possible visit from mr cavendish with a certain amount of anxiety she was not frightened for she knew her own powers but she was a little excited and stimulated by the idea that he might come in at any minute bringing back a crowd of recollections with him and it was a perpetual wonder to her how he would take the inevitable difference whether he would accept it as natural or put on the airs of an injured man lucilla did not go out the two afternoons after her meeting with mrs woodburn partly that she might not miss him if he called for it was better to have it over but mr cavendish did not come on either of these days after that of course she did not wait for him any longer but on the third or fourth day when she was in miss brown's photographing room the eldest miss brown was not married and was a mother to the younger girls and always enthusiastic about sitters mr ashburton called about business and thomas came to fetch miss marchbanks she was sitting with the greatest good nature for half a dozen pictures knowing in her secret heart all the time that she would look a perfect fright and that all carlingford would see her grinning with imbecile amiability out of the hazy background of miss brown's cart 
lucilla knew this and had hitherto avoided the process with success but now she gave in and as the major was there of course they talked of the coming election which indeed at present was almost the only topic of conversation in grange lane of course you are in mr ashburton's committee said lucilla you must be or going to be after what you said the other day at lunch what did i say asked major brown with an air of dismay for to tell the truth his heart inclined a little towards poor mr cavendish who was an old neighbour and to whom major brown could not but think the marchbanks and others had behaved rather cruelly but then in these electioneering matters one never knows what one may have done to compromise oneself without meaning it and the major was a little anxious to find out what he had said dear major brown said lucilla seriously i am so sorry if you did not mean it i am sure it was that as much as anything that influenced mr ashburton he was turning it all over in his mind you know and was afraid the people he most esteemed in carlingford would not agree with him and did not know what to do and then you said what did it matter about opinions if it was a good man that was what decided him said miss marchbanks with sad yet gentle reproachfulness i am so sorry if you did not mean what you said good heavens i don't remember saying anything of the sort said major brown uh, i i am sure i never thought of influencing anybody it is true enough about a good man you know but if i had imagined for an instant that any one was paying attention by george it was you that said it lucilla i remember now please don't make fun of me said miss marchbanks as if anybody cared what i say about politics but i know that was what decided poor mr ashburton indeed he told me so and when he finds you did not mean anything but good heavens i-i did mean something cried the accused with dismay and he grew quite inarticulate in his confusion and red in the face and lost his head altogether while lucilla sat calmly looking on with that air of virtue at once severe and indulgent which pities and blames and hopes that perhaps there is not so much harm done as might have been expected this was the position of affairs when thomas came to say that miss marchbanks was wanted as she had told him to do when her candidate came for to be sure it was only next door it was terrible to hear the soft sigh she gave when she shook hands with major brown i hope he will not feel it as much as i think but i should be afraid to tell him said lucilla as she went away leaving the good man in a state of bewilderment and embarrassment and doubt which would have been much more unpleasant if he had not felt so flattered at the same time i never meant to influence anybody i am sure he said with a comical mixture of complacence and dismay when lucilla was gone i have always said papa that you don't think enough of the weight people give to your opinion miss brown replied as she gave the final bath to her negatives and they both left off work with a certain glow of comforted amour propre and the most benevolent sentiments toward mr ashburton who to tell the truth until he got his lesson from miss marchbanks had never once thought about the opinion of major brown he was sitting with aunt jemima when lucilla came in and talking to her in a steady sort of way nothing could have made mr ashburton socially attractive but still there are many people to whom this steady sort of talk is more agreeable than brilliancy when a man is brilliant there is always a doubt in some minds whether he is trustworthy or sincere or to be relied upon but an ordinary common-sense sort of talker is free from such suspicion 
Mr. Ashburton was very sorry to hear that Mrs. John Marchbanks had bad nights, and suggested that it might be nervous, and hoped that the air of Carlingford would do her good, and was very glad to hear that her son was getting on so well in India, and Aunt Jemima could not help approving of him, and feeling that he was a person of substance and reflection, and not one of those fly-away young men who turn girls' heads and never mean anything lucilla herself gained something in mrs john's eyes from mr ashburton's high opinion but at the same time it was quite clear that he was not thinking of anything sentimental but was quite occupied about his election as a man of sense should be lucilla came in with a fine bloom on her cheeks but still with a shade of that sadness which had had so great an effect upon major brown she had taken off her hat before she came in and dropped into her chair with an air of languor and fatigue which was quite unusual to her it makes such a difference in life when one has something on one's mind said lucilla as she sighed as was but natural for though that did not affect the energy of her proceedings she knew and remembered at moments of discouragement how seldom one's most disinterested exertions are appreciated at the end you want your lunch my dear said mrs john perhaps i do said miss marchbanks with a mournfully affectionate smile i have been sitting to maria brown she has taken six and i am sure they are every one more hideous than the other and they will go all over england you know for the browns have hosts of people belonging to them and everybody will say so that is miss marchbanks i don't think i am vain to speak of said lucilla but that sort of thing goes to one's heart these amateurs are terrible people said mr ashburton in his steady way and photographs are a regular nuisance for my part don't say that said miss marchbanks i know what you are going to say and you must sit to her please i have said already she must do one of you and i will tell you presently about the major but wait and talk to aunt jemima a little for i am so tired said lucilla she was lying back negligently in her seat with that air of languor which so many young ladies excel in but which was for her a novel indulgence her hand hung over the arm of her chair as if there was no longer any force in it her head fell back her eyes were half closed it was a moment of abandonment to her sensations such as a high-principled young woman like miss marchbanks seldom gives way to but lucilla went into it conscientiously as into everything she did that she might regain her strength for the necessary duties that were before her and it was at this moment that thomas appeared at the door with a suspicion of a grin appearing at the corners of his sober mouth and announced mr cavendish who came in before an ordinary woman would have had time to open her eyes this was the moment he had chosen for his first visit and yet it was not he who had chosen it but fate who seemed to have in this respect a spite against lucilla it was not only the embarrassing presence of his rival but the fact that neither of the two people in the room knew or had ever seen mr cavendish that put a climax to the horror of the situation she alone knew him and had to take upon herself to present and introduce him and bridge over for him the long interval of absence and all this with the sense of being in the enemy's interest and to a certain extent false to mr cavendish lucilla rose at once but she was not a woman to make pretences she did not throw off all in a moment her fatigue and dash into spasmodic action she held out her hand silently to mr cavendish with a look which spoke only affectionate satisfaction in a friend's return 
she did not even speak at all for the first moment but contented herself with a look which indeed if he had been younger and less preoccupied would no doubt have touched his very heart so you have really come back she said i am so glad after all that people said about your being married and dead and ever so many stupid things oh don't look at me please it doesn't matter with a gentleman but i know as well as if you had told me that you think me dreadfully gone off i entertain such a profane idea said mr cavendish but he was considerably embarrassed and he was a great deal stouter and altogether different from what he used to be and he had not the light hand of his youth for a compliment and then he sat down on the chair thomas had given him and he looked uncomfortable to say the least of it and he was getting large in dimensions and a little red in the face and had by no means the air of thinking that it didn't matter for a gentleman as for miss marjoribanks it would be impossible to say what mists of illusion dropped away from her mind at the sight of him even while she smiled upon the newcomer she could not but ask herself with momentary dismay had she really gone off as much in the same time i have been looking for you miss marjoribanks resumed i waited for you tuesday and wednesday and it is so odd you should have come just at this minute aunt jemima this is mr cavendish whom you have heard so much about and don't go please mr ashburton you two must know each other you will be hearing of each other constantly and i suppose you will have to shake hands or something on the hustings so it will be much the best to begin it here but the two candidates did not shake hands they bowed to each other in an alarming way which did not promise much for their future brotherliness and then they both stood bolt upright and stared at miss marjoribanks who had relapsed in the pleasantest way in the world into her easy chair now please sit down and talk a little said lucilla i am so proud of having you both together there never has been anybody in the world that i have missed so much as you you knew that when you went away but you didn't mind mr ashburton is very nice but he is of no use to speak of in an evening said miss marjoribanks turning a reflective glance upon her own candidate with a certain sadness and then they both laughed as if it was a joke but it was no joke as one of them at least must have known lucilla said mrs john with consternation i never heard anybody talk as you do i am sure mr ashburton is the very best of society and as for mr cavendish dear aunt jemima said lucilla would you mind ringing the bell i have been sitting to maria brown and i am almost fainting i wish you gentlemen would sit to her it would please her and it would not do you much harm and then for your constituents you know i hope you don't wish me to look like one of maria brown's photographs to my constituents said mr cavendish but then i am happy to say they all know me pretty well this was said with a slight touch of gentlemanly spite if there is such a thing for after all he was an old power in carlingford though he had been so long away yes said lucilla reflectively but you are a little changed since then a little perhaps just a little stouter and gone off said mr cavendish with a laugh but he felt horribly disconcerted all the same and savage with miss marjoribanks and could not think why that fellow did not go away what had he to do in lucilla's drawing-room what did he mean by sitting down again and talking in that measured way to the old lady as if all the ordinary rules of good breeding did not point out to him that he should have gone away and left the field clear 
oh you know it does not matter for a gentleman said lucilla and then she turned to mr ashburton i am sure the major wants to see you and he thinks that it was he who put it into your head to stand he was here that day at lunch you know and it was something he said quite true said mr ashburton in his business way i shall go to see him at once thank you for telling me of it miss marjoribanks i shall go as soon as i leave here and then mr cavendish laughed this is what i call interesting he said i hope mr ashburton sees the fun but it is trying to an old friend to hear of that day at lunch you know i remember when these sort of allusions used to be pleasant enough but when one has been banished for a thousand years yes said lucilla one leaves all that behind you know one leaves ever so many things behind i wish we could always be twenty for my part i always said you know that i should be gone off in ten years was it the only fib you ever told that you repeated so said mr cavendish and it was with this pretty speech that he took her downstairs to the well-remembered luncheon but you have gone off in some things when you have to do with a prig like that he said in her ear as they went down together and cast off old friends it was a thing a fellow did not expect of you i never cast off old friends said miss marchbanks we shall look for you on thursday you know all the same must you go mr ashburton when lunch is on the table but then to be sure you will be in time at the browns said lucilla sweetly and she gave the one rival her hand while she held the arm of the other at the door of the dining-room in which mr ashburton had gallantly deposited aunt jemima before saying good-bye they were both looking a little black though the gloom was moderate in mr ashburton's case but as for lucilla she stood between them a picture of angelic sweetness and goodness giving a certain measure of her sympathy to both woman the reconciler by the side of those other characters of inspirer and consoler of which the world has heard the two inferior creatures scowled with politeness at each other but miss marchbanks smiled upon them both such was the way in which she overcame the difficulties of the meeting mr ashburton went away a little annoyed but still understanding his instructions and ready to act upon them in that business-like way he had and mr cavendish remained faintly reassured in the midst of his soreness and mortification by at least having the field to himself and seeing the last for the present of his antagonist which was a kind of victory in its way i thought i knew you better than to think you ever would have anything to do with that sort of thing said mr cavendish there are people you know whom i could have imagined but a prig like that he became indeed quite violent as aunt jemima said afterwards and met with that lady's decided disapproval as may be supposed mr ashburton is very well bred and agreeable mrs john said with emphasis i wish all the young men i see nowadays were as nice young men said mr cavendish is that what people call young nowadays and he must be insane you know or he would never dream of representing a town without saying a single word about his principles i dare say he thinks it is original said the unhappy man he thought he was pointing out his rival's weaknesses to lucilla and he went on with energy i know you better than to think you can like that milk-and-water sort of thing oh i don't pretend to know anything about politics said lucilla i hear you gentlemen talk but i never pretend to understand if we were not to leave you that all to yourselves i don't know what you could find to do miss marjoribanks added compassionately 
and as she spoke she looked so like the lucilla of old who had schemed and plotted for mr cavendish that he could not believe in her desertion in his heart that is a delusion like the going off he said i can't believe you have gone over to the enemy when i remember how i have been roving about all these ten years and how different it might have been and whose fault it all was this mr cavendish said in a low voice but it did not the less horrify aunt jemima who felt prepared for any atrocity after it she would have withdrawn in justice to her own sense of propriety but then she thought it was not impossible that he might propose to lucilla on the spot or take her hand or something and for propriety's sake she stayed yes said lucilla and her heart did for one little moment give a faint thump against her breast she could not help thinking what a difference it might have made to him poor fellow had he been under her lawful and righteous sway these ten years but as she looked at him it became more and more apparent to miss marjoribanks that mr cavendish had gone off whatever she herself might have done the outlines of his fine figure had changed considerably and his face was a little red and he had the look of a man whose circumstances spiritual and temporal would not quite bear a rigid examination as she looked at him her pity became tinged by a certain shade of resentment to think that after all it was his own fault she could not notwithstanding her natural frankness of expression say to him you foolish soul why didn't you marry me somehow and make a man of yourself lucilla carried honesty very far but she could not go as far as that yes she said turning her eyes upon him with a sort of abstract sympathy and then she added softly have you ever seen her again with a lowering of her voice this interesting question which utterly bewildered aunt jemima drove mr cavendish wild with rage mrs john said afterwards that she felt a shiver go through her as she took up the carving-knife though it was only to cut some cold beef he grew white all at once and pressed his lips tightly together and fixed his eyes on the wall straight before him i did not think after what i once said to you miss marchbanks that you would continue to insult my judgment in that way he said with a chill which fell upon the whole table and took the life out of everything and dimmed the very fire in the chimney and after that the conversation was of a sufficiently ordinary description until they went back again into the drawing-room by which time mr cavendish seemed to have concluded that it was best to pocket the affront i am going to begin my canvas to-morrow he said i have not seen anybody yet i have nobody but my sister to take me in hand you know there was once a time when it might have been different and he gave lucilla a look which she thought on the whole it was best to meet yes said miss marjoribanks with cruel directness there was a time when you were the most popular man in grange lane everybody was fond of you i remember it as if it had been yesterday said lucilla with a sigh you don't give a man much encouragement by jove said the unlucky candidate you remember it like yesterday it may be vanity but i flatter myself i shall still be found the most popular man in grange lane miss marchbanks sighed again but she did not say anything on the contrary she turned to aunt jemima who kept in the background an alarmed and alert spectator to consult her about a shade of wool and just then mr cavendish looking out of the window saw major brown conducting his rival through his garden and shaking hands with him cordially at the door 
this was more than the patience of the other candidate could bear a sudden resolution hot and angry as are the resolutions of men who feel themselves to have a failing cause came into his mind he had been badgered and baited to such an extent as he thought that he had not time to consider if it was wise or not he too had sat to maria brown and commanded once the warmest admiration of the household he thought he would put it to the test and see if after all his popularity was only a thing to be remembered like yesterday and it was with this intention that he bade a hurried good-bye to lucilla and rushing out threw himself upon the troubled waves of society which had once been as smooth as glass to the most popular man in grange lane End of chapter 41 Recording by Maricel Quee